Philippians chapter 1 this morning. Philippians chapter 1. We are continuing series we began a few months ago talking about how to make the biggest difference. You want to make a difference, don't you? You want your life to make a difference. We want our church to make a difference. And we believe God has called us together as a family to make a huge difference in our community. And we believe the scriptures give us a plan for how to do that. How we can make a difference through the gifts that he's given us and through our lives. So we talked about a month ago about how are we going to get there. And we talked about the ministry of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. And then we asked the question, what do you have in your hand? What has God given you to use for him, for his kingdom, for the growth of his kingdom that he's called all of us to be involved in? Then we talked about how your design reveals your destiny. And we talk about your design at Next Steps, which is coming up two weeks from today. So we encourage you to... Sign up on the sign-up sheet in the back or online on our website. You can sign up for next steps, and we will have lunch together two weeks from today, and we'll talk about your design. We'll talk about your gifts. We'll talk about how it all fits together in the big picture of what God is doing here in this church family. And then last week, we talked about the source of effective ministry, which is Jesus. In every area of ministry, Jesus is the source. And so today, we come to... Philippians chapter 1, and we want to talk about the blessings of partnership. Philippians chapter 1, the blessings of partnership, verses 1 through 9. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. And we'll read verses 10 and 11 also. For I want you to understand what really matters. So that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Lord, as these words of the Holy Spirit have been read over us today, I pray that we would receive them and that we would receive today what you want to say to us through these words of Holy Scripture that have been inspired, God-breathed by the Holy Spirit to Paul, first to the Philippians and now today to us. This is a word for us. So Lord, let us hear your word, take it, eat it, digest it, and apply it to our lives and let it make a difference in our lives, in our church, and in our community. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I love our church. I love our church. Sharon and I just absolutely love it. 
We love being here. We thank God on a regular basis that he brought us here, that he sent us here. We just, we just love it. And now that fall is coming and we're looking forward to a little bit of winter, we are so glad that God called us here. <laughs> I got a snowblower in my garage and ain't used it yet and don't plan to. It's just there because, you know, if you, if you got one, you don't have to use it. It's like an umbrella. You know, if you carry an umbrella, it ain't going to rain, right? No, God has called us here, and we absolutely love it. We love this church. We love what God is doing in our church right now. You know, other, other churches seem to like to squabble. People seem to like to squabble about all kinds of things. People get out of sorts with one another. People get out of sorts with one another because they're out of sorts with God. Think about that. People get out of sorts with one another because they're out of sorts with God. Churches get out of sorts with one another because they get out of sorts with God. And I'm telling you, if, if you want something to complain about, there's always something to complain about. I mean, if you want to, it, it ain't hard to find something or think about something to complain about. But we love this church. We love being here. And Paul loved this church at Philippi. Paul loved this church in the city of Philippi. He loved all of his churches. But he made it obvious here that the church at Philippi held a special place in his heart. There was something about this church that was special. This church, he had, he had great memories of his time at this church. They had partnered with him in the work of the gospel in that city. They gave financially. At, the Bible tells us out of their poverty. Out of their poverty, they gave. They gave more than they were able, and they were more than willing to do that. And so it held a special place in his heart. Paul had no doubt that the work was going to continue in Philippi, and God was going to do great things in that city through that church. He knew that this church was not going to rest on their past, but he believed that the Philippians, the church at Philippi, was not just going to rest on the past. They were going to reach out to the future. And he talked about how this church was so filled with love for one another they loved one another they loved the apostle paul very different than the church at corinth the church at corinth griped and complained all the time and they didn't respect the apostle paul the church at philippi loved each other they loved the apostle paul paul loved them and that love's just going to continue to grow stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and the words of paul to the philippians that we have just read expresses the way i feel about our church today Expresses the way I feel about our church today. I think it's important for us to go back and just remember a little bit of how the church at Philippi got started. You know, we read the book of Acts, and we see what God did in the book of Acts, and then we read the letters of Paul, and sometimes we're not putting the two of them together. But we need to go back and put the two of them together because we're reading this letter to the Philippians but the book of Acts tells us how they got started. When there was no Christians in the city, no Jesus followers in the city, no churches in the city, no believers in the city, Paul is traveling. Paul is traveling in ministry, and he's going around to places that have never heard about Jesus, and he's telling people about Jesus. He's meeting in the marketplaces. He's going to where people are buying and selling. He's going into the Jewish synagogues. He's telling them Jesus is the Messiah. And he's doing this everywhere. And Acts chapter 16 tells us something that it never ceases to amaze me. It's had an impact in my own life personally many, many years ago. So this passage of scripture is just so interesting. Acts chapter 16 begins. Paul wanted to go to a certain place and preach the gospel. And the Holy Spirit said no. How could that be when... When Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And so Paul's saying, yeah, I'm going to go here. And the Holy Spirit says, no, I don't want you to go there. 
Okay, so he backs up a little bit, and he says, okay, then let's go here. The Holy Spirit says, no, I don't want you to go there either. That's just mind-blowing to me. He wants to go and tell people about Jesus. The Holy Spirit says no. The Holy Spirit says no. And then the Bible says that in the night, he had a vision. He had a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. Come over here and help us. Philippi is in Macedonia. And so Paul concluded that that the Lord was calling him not to go to that place where the Holy Spirit said no, not to go to that place where the Holy Spirit said no, but he's calling him to go to Macedonia. So he goes to Philippi. He wakes up his friends. He says, get up. We've got our direction. We're going to Philippi. And so they go into Philippi, and as they normally do, they go into the synagogue. They're rejected by the synagogue. They go into the marketplace, and they are met by a businesswoman named Lydia. She's a very prominent businesswoman. She's a very prosperous businesswoman. She hadn't heard about Jesus either, but... But she's a seller, they call her a seller of purple, which was a very fine, exquisite, expensive fabric of the day. And so she was very, very, very well off, very well to do. And she immediately believes in Jesus. She says, if, 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 if you think I'm a believer in Jesus, then I want you to come to my house. And so they went to her house, they started teaching people, the group began to grow. They continued to go out into the marketplaces, and then they had this strange experience where a slave girl... A slave girl was following them around and saying, these men are preachers of the Most High God. These men are preachers of the Most High God. The thing about it is she was drawing attention away from the message. She, and and the, devil was, the devil's weird sometimes, you know. I mean, he's, he's saying something that's true, and yet at the same time he's distracting from the message. And so Paul rebukes her and stops her, and then he goes even farther, and he delivers her from the demon. Well... She was one that the, the demon and her master used to tell fortunes and they made lots of money off of it and it was part of the business and part of the cult and part of the religion in the city. And so she is saved. This girl is saved. This girl is delivered. She's no longer working for her masters. The demon's not using her anymore. People are starting to get upset because this happened more than one place. Paul goes to town and when he, relect, and when he, when he wrecks their religious practices he wrecks their economy <laughs> because their economy was based on their idolatry and on their false religion and so she is set free and there and then there's a mob there is an absolute mob and a riot that takes place and they get Paul and they get Silas and they get the others that are with him and they throw them in prison I don't know if they really had a law on the books or not because nobody knew anything about Jesus, but they conjured up that they was going to jail because he came to town and he's wrecking their religion and he's, he's wrecking their practices, he's wrecking their economy, he's wrecking their lives, so they are in prison. And they have been beaten. They've been beaten within an inch of their lives. Their backs are open and bloody. Just imagine it. And then they are in stocks. I doubt that there's too many of you who sit around in the evening and watch TV for a few hours who don't shift every once in a while, you know? Right cheek gets a little sore, so you shift over on the le left cheek, you know what I mean? Cross your legs this way, pull your knees up a little bit. You, know, you move around, you shift your lazy boy up and down because if you're just in the same position all the time, you get uncomfortable. They're in stocks. Their head, their arms, their feet, they can't move. Can you imagine cramps? And some of you sometimes, if you're like me, and if you're like my wife, if you're like us, you're, all of a sudden you get up and go, oh, 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 oh boy, oh boy. Got to walk it off. Go over to the wall, go over to the car. Got to stretch that one out, man. Them, them cramps can hurt sometimes, can't they? You can't do nothing about a cramp when you're in stocks. These guys are bloody. They're beaten. They ain't had a good day. They're in terrible, terrible pain. 
And at midnight, they're not sleeping and trying to rest. They're singing praises to God. Now, of course, I'm not talking about anybody here because I love this church. But I have known people in the past who say they can't worship unless a certain style is being sung. They can't worship unless the temperature is just right. They can't worship unless this happens. They can't worship unless that happens. And we put all kinds of contingencies upon our worship. When them, Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, had been beaten within an inch of their lives. They're in stocks. Their message has been rejected. Everything they're doing is torn apart. They got cramps like crazy. And they are singing praises to God. You know what that tells me? I ain't got no excuse not to praise God. I don't care what's going on. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what news, news is happening. I don't care what the environment may seem to be around me. There is no excuse or re. If Paul and Silas could praise God in Acts chapter 16, then you and I can praise God anytime, place, no matter what's going on. And so then, when they were praising the Lord, the earthquake comes. Earthquake comes. Earthquake shakes the jail, shakes the bars, open the gates. The jailer comes in and he sees the doors open and he doesn't see the prisoner. So he's getting ready to fall on his sword and kill himself because he thinks, man, even though it was an earthquake, I'm going to get the blame for losing all these prisoners. I'm just going to kill myself now. And Paul shouts out, don't, 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 don't kill yourself. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. They had the chance to escape and they didn't. They stayed there. And the jailer gave his life to the Lord. His whole household gave his life to the Lord. And they were all baptized. And the leaders of the city, they, they thought, whoa, we, we've done the wrong thing. So they came out, and in the middle of the night, this is, this is Paul. Paul is so awesome. In the middle of the night, they come, and they say, okay, you guys, you, you can go now. We're going to set you free. And Paul says, are you kidding me? <laughs> no. You arrested us and charged us in broad daylight. We ain't leaving this place until the sun's up, the town gets together, everybody gets out in the market, and you're going to let us go and everybody's going to see it. He's kind of rubbing it in just a little bit. And he was set free. And Paul was not in Philippi very long. After that he went. And I doubt if he would describe that experience as one of the most pleasant experiences he had in his travels. But even so the church was so special. So that's, that's how this church got started. When he's writing this letter to them he's remembering the vision He's remembering the imprisonment. He's remembering the beating. He's remembering the earthquake. He's remembering being set free. He's remembering Lydia. He's remembering the girl that was set free. He's remembering all of this stuff. So this church is so special to him. And the way the people responded to the gospel. And they became involved in the work of the Lord. Paul didn't have to do very much in Philippi. Because the people caught the vision. They jumped in and they went out and they worked for the Lord. They were bold witnesses in their community and the church was built because they went about joyfully. The Philippian book, the Philippian letter is really all about joy. They went about joyfully sharing the good news of what Jesus was doing in their lives. And do you know something? Here's something. God loves me just as much as he loves Paul. He loves you just as much as he loved Paul. He cares about you and your ministry just as much as he did Paul. He cares about this church and this ministry just as much as he cared about the church in Philippi. He is no respecter of persons. He loves you for your work 
He loves you for your labor. He loves you for your faithfulness. He loves you because you are you. He loves you because you are his child. He loves you because you were born for a relationship with him. You were born to walk with him. You were born to serve him. You were given gifts to use in ministry for him. And he loves you for that. He loves you, church. And Paul spoke about open doors of ministry in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. He said, a great door for effective work has opened to me. A great door for effective work has opened to me. And there are many who oppose me. There's some opposition. Second Corinthians chapter 2. He said I went to Troas. To preach the gospel of Christ. And I found that the Lord had opened a door for me. The Lord opened a door. You know we read between Jesus resurrection. And the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Where were the followers of Jesus? They were hiding behind closed doors. They were hiding behind closed doors. There's a lot of the church that's behind closed doors today for fear. There's a lot of people who don't step out and find out what the gifts are that God has for them and use the gifts God has for them and get connected to ministry and serve in ministry because of fear they keep the doors closed. They're afraid to go out and witness. They're afraid to go out and share their faith. They're afraid to get connected to a ministry team in the church. You know, for years and years and years, I would hear the term closed countries. And we could look at some countries on there and missionaries used to say they are closed countries. Our fellowship that we're a part of, the Assemblies of God, has now taken a position that there's no such thing as a closed country. I love that. There may be some places that it's a little more difficult to access. It's a little more different to kick the door down or to sneak in between the, between the jam or underneath the threshold or whatever. But we are living in a day, folks, of open doors. The windows of heaven are open today. God is pouring out his spirit today. He is opening the hearts of men all over the world. And he's going to open the doors of this community for a great work by this church family. I'm convinced he's opening doors to people's hearts right now in Israel. I'm convinced people are calling out to him. Calling out to him. Revelation 3 verse 8. I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. So let me share with you a few things today about partnering in the ministry and the blessings of partnership. First, partnership brings joy. Partnership brings joy. Is anybody having fun today? Isn't it fun to come to church? Do you have fun in ministry? Do you enjoy ministry? Does it give you joy? Partnership brings joy. When we work together and serve together and minister together, it gives us joy. If you've got problems, if you're complaining, if you have trouble seeing the light in the middle of the day, let me give you the answer. Get involved in ministry. Get involved in ministry. Because it'll give you joy. Get involved in ministry according to your gifts. Because every Christian is a minister. And Partner with someone in the work of the ministry. When you do that, joy will come. You will be ecstatic and you'll be overwhelmed with the joy and the satisfaction you will feel when you are using, not hiding it under a bushel, but you are using the gift that God has given you to serve others. Do you remember, some of you, do you remember back before you came to Christ, do you remember how empty your life was? Do you remember how you knew you were missing something? You were longing for something. You needed something. You lacked fulfillment, you lacked satisfaction, but then you opened your heart and your life to Jesus and he came in and he filled you. Do you remember that? 
Do you remember when Jesus came and he changed it? If you can't remember that, now's your day. Now's your opportunity to experience that. So after we begin to follow Jesus, and after he fills that empty, emptiness with fulfillment and joy, and then we go along and we're serving him for a while, why, why does that lack of fulfillment and lack of satisfaction creep in again? Why do we seem to struggle? Why do we seem to struggle continuing and living in joy? Well, I would ask, are you involved in ministry? Are you using your gifts? Now, I know I'm, I'm going to reverse this on you because a lot of people, well, the pastor... The pastor is preaching this because, boy, they must got needs. They got to fill holes. They got to fill slots. And he just wants to report higher numbers on Sunday. No, 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 no. That is far from the reason I'm sharing this today. I'm sharing it because it's for you. It's for you. It will bless you more than it blesses this church. It will fill you and fulfill you when you know what your gift is and you use your gift for ministry and then you partner with people. It brings joy John 15 11, I've told you this so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be complete and full working for the Lord in partnership with others brings incredible joy second a good partnership brings confidence that the work will continue a good partnership brings confidence that the work will continue Paul was able to leave a lot of these places so fast because the partners got together and began to do the work he could leave knowing the work was going to continue because they were partnering together in the work the key to a good partnership in ministry is that first it is a partnership with God before we partner with others in ministry and think something's going to happen, we got to make sure we are partnered with God first. I believe there's people in this church family that are serving in a number of ministries right now who have tremendous partnerships. But people can partner together and attempt to do something and miserably fail. Right? You've seen it. You wonder why. People can partner together and plan to do great things for God and miserably fail. Why? Because we've partnered together, but we haven't partnered with God. We've partnered together, but we haven't done it in our we haven't done it in the strength of the Lord. We've tried to do it in our own strength. That's why we meet here at 9.45 every Sunday morning for prayer. They're relying on their talents. They're relying on their abilities. And when people put their talents and abilities together, they really think they're going someplace. They really think something big's going to happen. After all, the abilities come from God, right? But God has got to be the senior partner in everything we do. God's got to be the leader and the senior partner in everything we do. So I am partnered with God first even before I'm partnered with my wife. Before we are partnered together in ministry, we have to be partnered with God. Marriages fail between two wonderful people, sometimes even among Christians, because they don't make God the senior partner of the relationship. God's got to be your senior partner. So I'm partnered with God first. Then I'm partnered with Sharon. Then I'm partnered with the deacons. Then I'm partnered with Pastor Chris. Then I'm partnered with small group leaders. And you have to be partnered with God first before you're partnered together with the people you're doing ministry in. So you might be a small group leader. You might be a worship leader. You might be on the worship team. You might be in kids ministry. You might be working in the hospitality ministry. You might be serving on the tech team. On and on and on and on. Be partnered with God first. Your ministry will become empty and it won't be fulfilling if you're not partnered with God first. You've had the joy thus far in ministry and seen results thus far because God works with us in the ministry when we partner with Him. 
Mark chapter 16, verse 20, the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. There would be no church if the Lord wasn't working with them. There would be no church today. The Lord worked. They were in partnership with the Lord when they went out. So, has God begun a good work in you, as Paul said to the Philippians? Has God begun a good work in this church? I would say yes. Has God begun a good work in this city? Yes. Has God, is God working with us? Yes. And if he's done all those things, he's going to continue. It says these things he's begun, he's going to continue. When we begin a partnership with God, he doesn't back out. God doesn't back out of the partnership. We're the ones who sometimes let down on the partnership, but God never does. John 6, 37, Jesus said, All the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. He doesn't back out. 1 Timothy 1, 12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who's given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. 2 Timothy 1, 12, I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he's able to guard that which I've entrusted him. Paul said, I'm partnered with God. I'm partnered with God. God's the one who's called me and God's the one who has enabled me. Jude, verses 24 and 25, to him who is able to keep you from falling. If you partner with the Lord, he'll keep you from falling. We fall when we don't partner with the Lord. To him who is able to complete you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. He's going to get the glory folks. When we partner together in ministry the work is going to continue and he's going to get the glory. I, I don't have any doubt. I don't have any doubt folks that this work's going to thrive. I don't have any doubt. God's doing something in our church right now. He's moving in our church right now. He's calling more people to serve. He's calling more people to come. He's awakening people to their gifts. And I have no doubt that it's going to continue and it's going to thrive and it's going to flourish because God is our senior partner. And I know some who have gotten involved in ministry here. I know your hearts. I know your hearts. I've seen how people in this church serve in ministry with both feet. They serve with all their energy. They serve according to the gifts because the Lord has inspired them to do so. You have made God your senior partner. So your work and your ministry will continue and it will flourish. And we will see great and miraculous things happen for the glory of God. Does anybody else but me believe this today? Come on. Souls are going to be saved. Lives are going to be changed. People are going to be turned around. Bodies are going to be healed. People are going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. People that are bound up are going to be set free. I'm confident he who has begun this work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So partnering in ministry brings joy. We're guaranteed that the work of the Lord is going to continue. Number three, and the love we have is only going to continue to grow. The love we have is only going to continue to grow. My parents have been married 65 years. Anybody here top that? Anybody here top that? 65 years. That's a long time. And I know because I see them all the time. They love each other more today than they did the day they were married. And I know that's true for some of you here that have been married 20 years or 30 years or 40 years or 50 years or however it might be. You love each other more today than the day you were married. So your love grows, right? 
It's hard to imagine because, man, you were so, so, so in love on that day. But your love has grown because now you know love's more than all that stuff you felt that day. Love's commitment. Love is surviving. Love is going to continue to grow here. And as the years go by until Jesus comes, our love is going to continue to grow. Our love is going to continue to grow. And guess what? Just like in a marriage, you ain't always going to feel like you love one another. You ain't always going to feel like you love me. And I ain't always going to feel like I love you. But if we stick it out, and if we work together, and if we serve together, and we dive in with both hands and both feet in ministry together, and we say, Lord, you're our senior partner, and I want to be your hands, and I want to be your feet, and I want to serve the people in this church family, and I want to serve the community, then for all the hard times when we stick to it through commitment and the hard times, our love for one another will grow. We'll be so stuck with one another, we'll hurt each other if we pull off. Anybody ever tried to superglue something and superglue your fingers together? <laughs> I know I'm not the only one. It's like, okay, what do I do now? Sharon, get me a knife or something, and she won't do it. So I kind of get a knife or a, or a you know, screwdriver or something with the other fingers, and you just start just gently, real gently, right, Bobby? Just, you, don't, you don't just tear it off real gently. Bobby's never done this before. He's never made a mistake like this. Just, you just try to pry them thumbs back apart again. Usually it's these two right here, you know, because you're doing something. Oh, boy. But I'm left-handed, so i got to get the knife for this. Folks, if we really get to where we're stuck together, it'll hurt when we get pried apart. That's love. That's love. That's how we know we really love one another, because the separation, the separation hurts. John chapter 17, so Jesus prayed for you. Jesus prayed for you. He said, he wanted all of us to be one, just as you are Father in me and I am in you. He said, may they also be in us. May they be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. He said, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity. That's what he prayed for us, that we would be brought to complete unity to let the world know. That's what it's all about, letting the world know. If we love one another, if we're stuck to one another, our gifts are going to be stronger. Joy is going to be fulfilled. And the world's going to know that we have Jesus in us. He said, I have made you known to them and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. John 13, 35, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Want to make a difference in our city? Love one another. How do you love one another? You serve one another. How do you serve one another? With your gifts. How do you find out your gifts? You come to next steps. See how that works? <laughs> have I mentioned next steps the last couple of weeks? Don't know. Did I have I mentioned that? Thought maybe I did. We gotta love one another, folks. Loving one another is the greatest thing we can do. Loving one another is the ultimate example of Christian outreach. It's what Jesus said, loving one another is evangelism. So some are like, well, my gift is not really one that, you know, is outside and it's not one of those outside evangelism type ministries. No, but if your ministry is here among the body, it's evangelism. Because the world sees us loving one another. The world sees us serving one another. And when they're out there on their own and they're going through junk and they're going through difficulty and they're going through struggles and they don't feel like they got anybody to love them, they're like, man, I wonder if I go there. I wonder if, I wonder if they'll love me the way they love each other 
So it's evangelism. When we love one another, when we serve one another in these gifts. So many preachers, so many preachers have to preach this when there's a storm going on. And the church is like, oh boy, something, something must be going on for him to be preaching this. No, no, no. I'm saying he's already begun this work in us. Same thing Paul said to the Philippians. He's already begun. And, and some of you are like, man, I love this church so much, I don't know how I could possibly love the people in this church anymore. Get ready, get ready. He'll help you love them even more. Use your gifts in ministry. He'll help you love one another even more. It will grow beyond what you can even imagine. I'm just saying, let's keep it up. Let's let the love grow stronger. And it will happen as we continue to work for his goals. Not our goals. Not our goals. Our goals become his goals. Then we work together and our love grows. Several verses of scripture I want to conclude with today. That's the first time in two and a half years I've ever said I'm going to conclude. I was taught in Bible school never to say that because preachers lie about that all the time. I remember one preacher one time, several times, he'd say, as I continue to close, and he went on for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, as I continue to close. So it just kind of slipped out, okay? But I mean it. Several verses here in conclusion. 1 John three eighteen, Dear children, let us not love with words or with tongue, but in action and truth. What actions? The actions that are birthed from our gifts. Actions that come through ministry. 1 John 5, 2. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out His commands. What's His commands? Use what I've given you. Use what I've given you to serve one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is very patient and kind. Never jealous or envious. This is about our, we read this at weddings, but this is about our love right here, right here. This is about us loving one another, with our, not envious of somebody else's gift, not envious of somebody else's position. Love does not demand its own way. It's never boastful or proud, never haughty or selfish or rude. Love is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. Love is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. If you love someone, you'll be loyal to them no matter what the cost. You'll always believe in him, always expect the best of him, always stand your ground in defending him. All the special gifts and powers from God will someday come to an end, but love goes on forever. These are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. That's the kind of love that he has begun in this place. That's the kind of love he's going to continue to grow in this place. And the more we use our gifts in ministry, the more that love just grows and grows. You know, when we serve one another in marriage, we love one another more. When we serve one another in the body. We love one another more. Paul didn't just say these things about the Philippians. He said them about the Thessalonians too. I want to read, I want to read some of his introduction to the Thessalonians. The first letter he wrote, the first letter he wrote to the Thessalonians this is how he opens it up. And see if you see similarities here to what he wrote to the Philippians. This letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We're writing to the church in Thessalonica. So not only compare what he's saying to, to the church in Philippi, but also receive this as what I believe God is saying to us. Receive this as what I believe God is saying to us. May God give you grace and peace. We always, I could say this to you right now. Sharon and I could say this to you right now. These are, 
Paul's words to the Thessalonians, the Spirit's words to the church, I believe it's the Spirit's words to our church. We always thank God for all of you and we pray for you constantly. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work. We think of your loving deeds. We think of the hope, the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his very own people. For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what what we said was true. And you know of our concern for you from the way we lived when we were with you. So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. As a result, you... You have become an example to all the believers in Greece, throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. I believe the Lord makes us an example to other believers as we love one another. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere. To people everywhere, represented by that back corner there. Even beyond Macedonia and Achaia, for wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't, we don't need to tell them about it for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. And they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He's the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. And the second letter to the Thessalonians. The second letter to the Thessalonians. He opens it again in similar fashion and I believe this is God's word for us, this letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We're writing to the church in Thessalonica, to you who belong to God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you. We can't help but thank God for you. Because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. Let me read my text again, but let me read it from the Living Bible. Let this, be a, let this be a concluding blessing over your life today. May God bless you all. Yes, I pray that God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ will give each of you his fullest blessings and his peace in your hearts and your lives. All my prayers for you are full of praise to God. When I pray for you, my heart is full of joy because of all your wonderful help. In making known the good news about Christ from the first time you heard it until now. And I'm sure that God who began the good work within you will keep right on helping you grow in his grace. Until his task within you is finally finished on that day when Jesus Christ returns. How natural it is that I should feel as I do about you. For you have a very special place in my heart. We've shared together the blessings of God both when I was in prison and when I was out. Defending the truth and telling others about Christ. Only God knows how deep is my love and longing for you with the tenderness of Jesus Christ. My prayer for you is that you will overflow more and more with love for others and at the same time keep on growing in spiritual knowledge and insight for I want you always to see clearly the difference between right and wrong and to be inwardly clean, no one being able to criticize you from now until our Lord returns. May you always be doing those good things kind things which show that you are a child of God 
for this will bring much praise and glory to the Lord. I've been listening to uh, another pastor recently, and, and this fall he shared a vision message with his church. This is, this is the vision for our church. They do it, I think, every fall. This is, the, this is the vision for our church. This is the direction. This is where God is. And at the end of his message, he was saying, so a lot of people are asking, where can I serve? Where can I serve? Where can I serve? Where, where's the area of greatest need? And he concluded those two messages by answering the question. He said, this... If you're asking that question, he said, this is the area. And that's great. And I, what he's saying, I have no problem with what he's saying. But I don't have that. I don't have that. If you come to me and you say, where's the greatest need? The greatest need is for you to know what your gift is. And when you serve in your gift, when you jump into ministry with both hands and both feet according to your gift, then the greatest need is met. Now, there might be a time in the future when I'll say, this is the greatest need, this is the greatest need, this is... The... But right now, the greatest need is for us to know what God has gifted us and called us to do. Pastor, how can I find that out? Two weeks from now. Next Steps Lunch. Join us. It's going to be fun. Father, thank you so much. Lord, thank you that in this message, Lord, you have assured us of your love for us. And Lord, you have assured us of our usefulness to you. Lord, it blows our minds. It literally blows our minds, Lord, that you not only want a relationship with us and want to forgive us of all of our stuff and all of our junk. You want to heal us of all of our hurt and pain of the past. Lord, you want to use us. You want to do more than forgive us. You want to make something of us. So, Lord, right now, we thank you for your love. Just right now, if you have been assured today of God's love and pleasure with you, I just want you to thank you for it. Just thank you. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for finding pleasure in me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. something in you today that feels like you're, you're missing something. And the first thing is you need to be a part of the body of Christ. You need to be a part of the family of God. Do you know? Do you know that you know that you know that you know? Because see, your gifts and ministry is not going to be affected if you're not first of all partnered with Him. And the, the way we begin that partnership with Him is by confessing Jesus is Lord and believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead and if you believe that Jesus is who he said he was God come in human form God Almighty the eternal the eternal God come in human form and he lived completely innocent and sinless never failed and his death on the cross was not for anything he did but to satisfy God's judgment against us for our sins all we got to do is put our faith in that we confess Jesus is Lord we believe God raised him from the dead. He forgives us. So, Father, right now, if, it, if that's you, I just want you to pray right where you sit. Lord Jesus, I believe you are who the Bible says you are. Jesus, I believe you're God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I confess that and I ask for your forgiveness. 
Come into my life. Make me new. I want to be partnered with you in my life from now forward. In Jesus' name. If you're praying that prayer today for the first time or the first time in a long time, I'd love it if you'd let us know on that card that was in your handout so that we can pray with you and encourage you and be a blessing to you. If you're watching online, you can let us know in a comment through a message that you made that commitment to the Lord today. Let's stand together. You know, there's times... Most of the time, at the end of the message, I believe God is asking for specific responses, and we come to the altar, and we have opportunity for God to move in those areas of specific points in our lives that He wants us to respond to and open our lives to His work and change in our lives. And I've already said the big response to this series is if you haven't been to Next Steps, and Examine your gifts, discovered your gifts, got plugged into ministry. That's the response that really this entire series is looking for. I'm not ashamed to say it. I believe that's the leading and direction God has given me. I believe it's the plan He's given for our church, how we can make the biggest difference in our community and in one another's lives and in our own life. But today also, I just felt like I just wanted to invite everybody to come. Just come and just stand around these altars and let's just... Let's just spend some time loving the Lord and loving on one another. So just come. Just come and stand around these altars. And as you come, shake somebody's hand. Hug somebody. Tell two or three people today that you love them, that you're glad that they're a part of this church, that you're glad that you're in this church. Come on, let's just come and worship the Lord together. Let's get close as a family. God's brought us together. He's bonded us together. He's tying us together. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Tell somebody you love them. No thing can compare. Let's open ourselves to the Holy Spirit. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen. Oh, I've tasted and seen. Of the sweetest of loves Where my heart becomes free And my shame is undone Your presence, Lord Holy Spirit, you're welcome here Oh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here Come flood this place and your glory, God, is what our hearts long for To be overcome by your presence Lord, oh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome Come flood this place, this place And fill the atmosphere Your glory God is what our hearts long for To be overcome by your presence Lord, your presence Lord Hallelujah Thank you Jesus We worship you Lord 
Lord, your mercy, oh, your mercy never fails me all my days, all my days. I've been held, I've been held in your hands from the moment I wake up, from the moment that I wake up, till I lay my head, till I lay my head. I will sing, I will sing of the goodness all my life. This is true. All my life you have been faithful Oh yes you have All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh I will sing of the goodness I love your voice I love your voice You have led me through the fire have led me through the fire darkest night and darkness you are close you are close like no other known you as a father known you as a father known you as a friend known you as a friend I have lived I have lived in the goodness all my life all my life you have been Oh, yes, you have. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will say of the goodness. Your goodness is running after me. Your goodness is running after, running after me. Your goodness is running after running after me with my life laid down and surrendered now i give you everything your goodness is running after running after sing it again your goodness your goodness is running after running after running after us together he's running after us running after running after me with my life laid down I'm surrendered now I give you everything your goodness is running after running after me all my life for all my life you have been faithful oh yes you have all my life you have been so so good every breath that I am able oh I will sing of the goodness of God I will sing of the goodness of God I will sing of the goodness of God Lord we thank you for your goodness Thank you for your love that you've showered upon us, Lord. We thank you for the love that you've given one another in this church family. We thank you that the bonds that exist between us are strong. We thank you, Lord, that you're adding, you're adding threads and you're adding cords and you're adding people and families and ministry and gifts to this body. And we are thankful, Lord, that your word is true, that the one who has begun a good work in us will complete it. Lord, until you come again, you are not finished with us. And you're going to continue to use us, God. So give us a hunger to see your vision, 
to walk in your vision, to walk in your purpose, not just for us as individuals, but God, for us to work together, walk together, partnering in the gospel, partnering in the ministry, to see you do things even beyond what we could ask or think. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you all. Go in the blessing and goodness of the Lord. We love you. Have a great day.